Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Chaloner. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating those people who keep this great country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisations and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, then please do go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Now, each week on this program, I'm joined by a different CEO, CFO, COO, director, secretary, chairman, or president, you name it. And the purpose of that is to truly discover who those people are that get up every morning and make this great country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK and discuss everything from developing staff to having a laugh and keeping in-house morale high during such testing times as these. My guest on the show today is Peter Stone, Managing Partner at Psionic, the leading specialist provider of leadership and talent development programs within the financial services industry. The firm has a over 25 years global track record of developing staff across the world's major banks and financial institutions. And Peter himself has over 30 years of experience in the international banking and capital markets, as well as in UK life and general insurance as well. Um, Peter, very warm welcome to yourself today. And thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on today's programme. Hi, Scott. Thank you ever so much for the, uh, for the introduction. Uh, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here to uh, discuss and share some thoughts with you. Likewise, Peter. And of course, it isn't the first time that you've joined us on this programme. And if we do go back to that previous time you were with us, way back in February of last year, 2020, just for those tuning in, um, Prime Minister Boris Johnson had in fact just conducted his Valentine's Day cabinet reshuffle. And Sajid Javid, of course, was replaced by Rishi Sunak as Chancellor of the Exchequer then. And you said at the time, um, alongside my colleague Jonathan White, um, that you would judge him and other new ministers on their willingness to commit to and deliver results that will have a positive impact on the country, society and the economy. Now, it's fair to say that Rishi's first year in post has been an incredibly challenging one. But just to start things off, how would you say he's actually done within those parameters that you set out back then? Well, without getting to the politics of it and just sticking to that theme of leadership, I actually think the Chancellor's done an outstanding job. Um, I think, you know, when when COVID hit, and interestingly, this time last year, I was in I was in Mumbai, and um, and it was just starting to emerge as an issue. Nobody had any idea that it would turn into to what it has turned into. But I think what's been very impressive about the Chancellor is his focus on, uh, in my interpretation, on my view, certain outcomes which are to look after, as far as is humanly possible, the financial welfare of individuals and groups and people and um, companies, knowing that if we can just get through this terrible period, um, then there will be some economic payback, I mm. think. And, and I I've been hugely impressed, and I know it hasn't satisfied every single need, and you clearly it's very difficult, if not impossible, to do that. But the various schemes that have been implemented throughout the year have, in the main, been an enormous help to um, to businesses, to companies, and to to individuals. And I can only applaud him and his team for focusing on that outcome and putting in place measures that you know, go some way to help it. So it's a big plus from me for that. 
It's not an easy thing to do, is it? Having those support mechanisms in place while at the same time having no other choice but to prevent business from performing its functions. So it is a very difficult job that he's had to do. And he has certainly done um, a great job of it uh, from that point of view. Um, Now, another thing that did emerge from that discussion last year um, was that the huge thing that the UK needs right now, and this struck a chord with me when I was listening back to that discussion, is leadership. That has remained relevant right throughout COVID and indeed Brexit now that that's been fully enacted. We need great leadership, robust leadership in this country. And if we look at leadership within the context of your area of expertise now, Peter, the uh, financial services sector, you recently said that the current leadership model within the industry needs turning on its head and it's now time to take ownership and create a new and better normal for financial services. What exactly is your vision for that new normal? Well, I think there's a couple of elements to that. So uh, let's just talk about turning leadership on its head. And, and one component of that for me is let's stop thinking of uh, leaders as being those who hold the most senior positions in organisations. So I and, and we at Sanit take the view that leadership isn't necessarily a function of hierarchy. Leadership for us embodies a set of behaviors and a mindset that anybody um, can adopt. And I think anybody who is responsible for the performance and welfare of people in an organization has a, has a duty to uh, behave and think in, in different ways. So I think the first thing to turn on its head is what actually is leadership. So it's not seniority and, and supremely high-level role in an organization. It's a mindset and pattern of behaviors that anybody can adopt and that should adopt if you are responsible for people. So I think that's the first thing. Uh, and then the second thing in terms of turning it on, on its head is uh, what we talk about in terms of the science and the art. Um, so the science of leadership would very much focus on targets and results and uh, structures and mechanisms which tend to the more managerial aspects of the spectrum. Um, but, you know, delivering to a budget, setting a budget, having commercial outcomes and a commercial focus. Um, and yes, all of those things are important when you're thinking about living, breathing organizations. But again, turning on, it on its head, um, you know, we say don't just focus on productivity and performance of your organization. Actually, if you focus on the health and well-being of the people that you are responsible for and make that your primary focus, then that is, is more into the art of leadership. Mm. And if you see the world through, through that lens um, and apply it, as we just said, the different mindset and behaviors, but focus on, on people as individuals and as teams uh, or collective groups, then you will see that performance and productivity is an outcome that flows um, if you just change the way you're looking at the world. So that's the other area where we want to, the world to turn on its head. And then I think there's the third thing I would talk about is when we talk about developing leadership, certainly in, in um, financial services or any other um, sector, leadership development is typically targeted at the most senior or the emerging senior folks in organizations. And, and again, you know, we say, or I say, why wait? Why wait for somebody 10, 15, 20 years into the career before you really start developing leadership? Why do they have to go through technical development and managerial development and then leadership development as if it's some sort of aspiration at the top of the pyramid? You know, we say, no, throw that paradigm uh, into the bin and start developing these leadership behaviors from the very early um, time that people join your organization. So go for the 
um, the early careers, the grads uh, on those new engines and start developing some of these behaviors. And that will create a real shift um, in a generation that will ultimately transform the way um, organizations think and behave. I think it's an incredibly important point uh, that you mentioned almost near the beginning there, um, that leadership is not about hierarchy, it's about behaviour. Now, it's very easy, isn't it, when we think of leadership to instantly envision senior figures like prime ministers, CEOs of big businesses, maybe even celebrities. And we do put a lot of emphasis on that. But the reality is that leaders don't need to be senior figures up on pedestals. Leadership can come from anywhere and everywhere in an organisation, no matter what age you are. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, And, you know, when you're talking about a large enterprise, and clearly the, the CEO is in a leadership position. But he's talking about a country, then the prime minister and the cabinet are clearly in leadership positions. But, but equally, um, what I see in the organisations is, is a little bit of an abdication of responsibility. So you'll see folks who are responsible for a team of six, a team of 12, a team of 24, 36. Um, and they don't see it as their responsibility to lead their team because it's it's, it's senior management's responsibility or it's somebody else's responsibility. So you get this abdication um, and this kind of hope that all of the issues will be resolved by the most senior folks in the organization. And we say, no, 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 no. Take ownership yourself and behave and think in a different way. And, and you don't need to rely on hierarchy to get things done. Mm-hmm. You can achieve very different, um, a very different operating world if you take ownership and start to behave differently. And certainly within Psionic at the moment, there are some incredibly exciting open market development programs, which are, of course, geared toward building leadership behaviours and other aspects to equip people within the financial services sector with those skills that they are going to need in the new post-COVID world, especially. So considering the world that we're going to be going into once we emerge from this pandemic, what sort of skills are those programs really aimed at enhancing? Well, it it starts for us with, um, you know, we've developed what we call the, the formula for sustainable performance, um, which has three component parts to it, which we think are the the component attributes that that you are going to need if you choose to seize on the opportunity and create a new world for yourself. And and we think the the new world is one in which you as a leader uh, can create a a healthier, more balanced working life for people, and you can unlock motivation and discretionary effort if you bring these three attributes to play. Um, uh, The first one is, is compassion. So really putting yourself in a position where you seek to understand uh, and you are respectful of the, the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional well-being of the people that you're responsible for. So, so that's compassion. Um, trust. So your trust is a word that's thrown about, but, but trust for us means really giving people the autonomy um, and creating an environment where people can operate with a degree of autonomy. Um, uh, so those folks can deliver the, the results and the outcomes that you expect of them. So rather than the managerial tell and delegate tasks, um, you know, how about trusting people to deliver mm. um, outcomes and letting them find a way? So we've got compassion, we've got trust. Um, and then the third thing is community. Um, lots and lots of people have clearly had very difficult um, uh, a very difficult year in terms of working under severe constraints. Mm. Um, and, and what our research found was that there are various things that leaders can do, uh, various leadership behaviors to do to, to help them. But one of which is creating community, creating support networks for individuals, 
creating those um, what we call community collisions, which in, a, in an office-bound environment, people are forever bumping into each other at the coffee machine, the water cooler, the, the canteen, the restaurant, you, know, you name it. Very difficult when everybody's working remotely. So, so creating that sense of community and deliberately creating those informal collisions to provide support, to start sharing ideas, to develop new practices, and to you know and that could be as simple as a home working environment through mm-hmm. to a different shift or working schedule. So create community. So we've got trust, compassion, and 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 community, and and underpinning that is I think and this is a mindset thing is. Um, is uh, having a very low self-orientation. This isn't about you. This is about the people that you are responsible for. So mm-hmm. again, the, world, the, the worst kind of leadership is, is the very high on self-orientation. I am the leader. I am the senior person. Therefore, my authority comes from my power. Very, very outdated. We think, you know, position yourself as a subservient um, individual to the needs of your particular team. Um, and if you can bring those kind of attributes, then our experience and our research shows you can create a, a very different um, a very different operating world that will unlock some of the values. And then there's a kind of range of skills and behaviours that help you to achieve that. And that pr- approach certainly is going to be critical in the new post-COVID world, isn't it? Because what the pandemic really has brought under the microscope once again is the issue around mental health of people working within businesses. Now, in terms of leadership, even in the everyday world, just how important is mental health, both in terms of safeguarding your own inner leadership position, but also, crucially, that of the team of people working around you? Yeah, well, I, I think it's astonishingly important. Um, and probably up until sort of pre-COVID levels, it, it had a bit of a, um, there was some momentum gathering around well-being and around healthy organisations. But if I was being cynical, it, it wasn't something that people took that seriously in the main. Um, those who did take it seriously, either at the sort of individual level, team level, or at the enterprise level, found profound results um, and, and saw great gains uh, in the way that their people behaved and, and performed. In the, in the world that we've now been working under, then the, the emotional and the physical constraints um, and the demands of people have been you know, hugely, hugely um, challenging. And if you now put well-being at the forefront of your mind, the well-being and the health of your people, um, as opposed to their productivity and their performance, which goes back to what I said earlier, if you put well-being and health as the most important thing, then what you will find is that the um, the performance uh, and the productivity flows as a direct consequence. So, you know, changing the way you behave, bringing some compassion, listening, understanding that that people are vulnerable um, and being tolerant of, of vulnerability and accepting, interestingly, we talk about tuning in at five levels. The first level of which is tune into yourself. Um, where am I vulnerable? How do I feel vulnerable? Why do I feel vulnerable? And, and just sharing those actually with people um, uh, is very enlightening. It, it helps you, but it also gives permission for people to share their vulnerabilities. Um, and when you when you have that out in the open, you can start to work with people and work with each other to find ways of dealing with that. And you know whether you've got um, elderly parents who uh, need looking after, but you can't physically get to them in a lockdown environment, or even out of lockdown, your your ability to help them is very difficult, and that plays on your mind. Or whether it's homeschooling or children more generally, or whether it's 
any other kind of domestic circumstance or even just a whole range of personal anxieties, giving people permission to surface those and then finding ways to deal with them, which you can deal with at the individual level, or indeed you can put mechanisms in for a team or uh, an organization unit or across the whole enterprise. Uh, that, we found, has a profound impact on, on people. So I think we'll see that come very, very much to the fore. And we put it at the heart of um, our leadership development programs now. And I think it will flow all the way through to reward and recognition mechanisms in organizations, um, people, organizations putting in place mechanisms that allow people to manage the well-being of themselves and others more readily. Mm. I do think that show of self-awareness and that willingness to show there's a vulnerability does help create that level playing field between a leader and their team as well. And especially now in an era where it's become very clear that we're all human beings and we aren't infallible. It can be so easy, can't it, even in a leadership position to be drawn into the hectic world of running a business during a health crisis. And sometimes even for someone in a senior position, things can get too much. So how easy is it in your case, Peter, to actually take a little bit of time out yourself when you need to in that hectic world of running a business? From a personal view, I I find it very easy um, to take that time out. And I'm I'm, I'm lucky in my role that I'm blessed with a, a very strong uh, senior team who think the same way and operate the same way. Um, so we we give ourselves time to think um, to think differently and to give ourselves some space to think. Um, so we find it very easy. I'm conscious that others find it difficult, and it's a it's a very easy thing to say. Just take some time out at the start of your day or at the end of the day, but it it really starts with that little step. So to develop the habit of thinking and reflecting starts with that little step. Um, of just wondering, how am I feeling today? And this is where some of the particular techniques around well-being and self-awareness can really help enormously in self-reflection. But it, it does start with, the, how am I thinking today? Uh, how am I feeling today? Uh, and then that will lead on. What we found is it does lead on to, I wonder how my team are feeling today. I wonder how Mary or Julie um, are feeling today. I wonder how Sam's feeling today. Um, and it, it, it does become viral, that, viral, sorry, that when you create that little moment of, of a minute or two minutes, that can become a habit, which then builds, you can layer upon it, sorry, and, and add two more minutes to think about other people. So uh, it's taking that first step um, and just asking the question, you know, get your, if you if you're, have access to an assistant, um, uh, get that meeting put in the diary where you can, there's no agenda. You can just say, we have no agenda. How are we today? What are we thinking? What are we feeling? How's everybody's bandwidth? How are you getting on with the Amazon deliveries, making your doorbell ring every two minutes? What about the dog barking? Um, how are you feeling stuck in the flat? How are you feeling without access to green space to get walking because the weather's so bad? Just all the things that we know um, make our individual lives very difficult, just put some schedule in the diary and share those with people. And you'll find it's amazing how many people will say, well, Funny enough, I've got exactly the same issue. Mm. It's about establishing a positive culture fundamentally, isn't it? And when it comes to leadership within business, especially culture is all important. It, it is. And I think, I think the, again, where some people go slightly wrong on this um, is to rush to solution too soon. Um, so, so yes, you want a positive culture, but actually what you want is a culture that is safe, um, psychologically safe, emotionally safe before it's positive. And, and if you can create that um, and share your own vulnerabilities, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's fine to say, 
this is how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? Um, and it's also about to say, I don't have the answer. I really don't know what to do about it. But maybe we together could try something different. We could try something new. We could stop doing this. We could start doing the other. We could stop that um, half an hour meeting that we have every day. Um, and we could replace it with a very different conversation. So I think before we get to sort of positivity, um, and it's good to have some optimism and, and positivity, but you know, we would say just bound that, if you like, um, with some degree of realism and share some vulnerability and share, I actually don't have the answer right now because this is a very different world and it's very different challenges, but let's try to find these new ways um, and keep adapting and keep developing. And just moving on to another aspect of leadership, quite often we talk about the need for leaders to be able to inspire people, to motivate others and essentially sustain performance levels. When you are in a leadership role and you're the one who is meant to do all of the inspiring, sometimes when you need a little bit of inspiration for yourself and those times do come, where is it that you look to personally in search of that? Does inspiration come from within you as a leader or do you draw inspiration from elsewhere, maybe those people around you? Yeah, I think there's a there's a mixture there, Scott. And um, you know, there are those individuals who in classic Miles Briggs or Jungian terms are introverts and that they will draw their energy and their inspiration from themselves. And I, I fit very much into that category. So I, I do take a lot of inspiration and energy from myself. Um, but that's through reading, through um, uh, just thinking, uh, whether that's whether I'm running or whether I'm kind of in the gym. Um, but then there are other folks who are uh, extroverts and they draw energy from other people. And they do very well by just having the conversations um, and surrounding themselves um, uh, with a community. And, and again, that's, so that's where we would say, if you're building communities, um, you allow uh, lots of people to engage with each other, but be mindful of the fact that there are those that um, perhaps are more introverted and more self-reflective and find a different way to draw them, them out of their, their shell. But um, that personally, I, I draw it very much internally. Um, we've certainly mentioned the post-COVID world already. That's what Psionics leadership programs are all, of course, gearing toward preparing people for that. But what do we think the post-COVID world is going to look like? Um, we can certainly identify the remote working side of things as one element of the lockdown period that we could be seeing as a permanent part of the way business works in the UK. But what else could that post-COVID world feature, do you think? I think it's going to feature um, a lot of uncertainty a lot of confusion. Uh, I think there's, there are certainly some people who would like to go back to the old world. Um, and there are those who think, well, hang on a second. Um, this, this new world wasn't that bad, was it? Um, I was able to do more reading. I was able to do less commuting. I was able to do more physical exercise. I was managed to get in touch with um, a different part of myself. So th there will be this tension between um, and confusion between this sort of old world, new world, um, dynamic, and I think that will happen at the individual level, but it will also happen at the enterprise level, and that will be, um, you know, businesses questioning whether they need to have tens of thousands of people in one or two buildings um, in major, you know, cities or, or business and retail uh, business parks outside of cities when um, they've been able to cope with a world in which everybody's been working from home. So I think there'll be enterprise-wide sort of confusion and, and tension. But I think there will be more uncertainty as well. Um, I think the, my worst accusation about the leadership of the country at the moment would be 
they've created a huge amount of uncertainty. And, um, and there are ways with, with, of dealing with uncertainty. You know, we're all sat in the airport lounge told that the, the plane uh, is delayed, but we've got no idea when it will be taken off. We've got no idea, is it going to be in the next two hours? We've got no idea if it won't be before midnight. Um, we're just told the plane ain't going anywhere. And we're all sat wondering and, um, and worrying about, you know, will we ever, um, metaphorically, uh, get that plane off the ground? And, and that's where we are with lockdown. Uh, so I think uncertainty will, will carry on even when we come out of lockdown. It will be what if and what if and can I do this and will that happen and will it all come back again and so on. So I think uncertainty and confusion will reign. Um, I think we'll get uh, kind of people starting to question purpose um, and why are they doing what are they doing. If people go back to work mm. uh, in that old world, there'll be a question of what is this all about? I've had a year of uh, it's all been very different. Why am I really doing this? What is the core purpose of the organization and, and core purpose of my team or my role? And I, I expect to see much more challenge around purpose. I expect to see much more, um, as we said earlier, focus on well-being and focus on community as being at the heart of the way we behave and the way we operate. Um, so much more of the humanistic the art of behaving as a leader as opposed to you know, back into the science and the more managerial aspects um, of being a leader. Uh, I think there'll be uh, differences in generation. Uh, I think the, the younger generations will be demanding more autonomy and the older generations will be demanding a much greater degree of, of balance. Mm. Um, so there'll be this, we're all trying to work out um, what it is that we want from our, from our operating and, and working world. But I think I said earlier that the, the research we did in the uh, six to nine months at the end of last year showed that 60% of people said they had a much better work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And 48% said they felt more motivated. Um, only 13% said they were less motivated, and that was a function of longer hours. So I think you know we would be encouraging leaders to start recognizing all of these tensions and issues that are going to exist. But if you're able through your own behavior and mindset to create a world in which the majority of people have a better work-life balance and um, their uh, their motivation levels are higher, then why would you want to go back to an old world? Why don't you create a new world that's got a better, healthier balance, higher levels of motivation? You can unlock discretionary effort, and that will lead to, um, to different levels of, of sustained performance. I think that's very right. And I think we've seen a lot of people asking those very questions that we touched on just now then as well. What am I doing? Who am I doing it for? And that self-reflection is hugely, hugely important. And another thing that we have learned during this period as well, amid all of the uncertainty, if we just dwell on that for a little bit longer, is that every single day is a school day. We've all been adapting and innovating on an unprecedented scale to adjust to the new COVID world. And it's really hit home that message that even in leadership positions, we're never a finished article. There's always a new challenge, something to learn from, something to use to improve. So looking back over the last 11 months, how has adapting to this new reality taught you anything new? I think it's taught, what's it taught me as new? I think it really has um, taught me to be vulnerable with people. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't really matter where I sit in the organization hierarchy, as I said before. I have my own feelings of vulnerability or had. Um, and, and what this 
year getting on for a year now has taught me is, you know what, just sharing those is incredibly powerful. Um, I remember one of the first, uh, probably early April last year, um, wrestling with this, how do I behave as a leader? I really don't know how to lead my part of the business or be part of the leadership of the whole business in this new world. Um, uh, myself as a, as a husband and a father, I don't know how to give my children uh, some degree of comfort in what was going on in, at the time. It was a very scary world then. I don't know how to cope with all of the challenges and pressures that are coming from the schools and the colleges and my son was just about to do GCSEs and so on at the time. So at the time, I felt very vulnerable. And I remember pulling the whole team together on a call and saying, this is how I'm feeling right now. Um, I'm, you may well be feeling the same or very different, but let me just tell you that I'm scared, I'm afraid, I'm confused. I don't, I don't have the answers. Um, this is very challenging. I'm worried about being an ineffective um, person in terms of your own welfare, looking after your own welfare. Um, and, and that's, you know, on top of all of the other kind of business pressures that we're facing like everybody else was. So what this has really taught me is it's okay to be a human being who feels vulnerable uh, and it's okay to share them and to, and to not have answers. And to, to do so has a very powerful impact on the people around you in terms of the safety, the psychological safety it gives them um, to share their own vulnerabilities but, and, and give them the permission to offer you ideas and solutions and I found that some of the folks in our team gave me some great ideas and inspiration to deal with some of my own vulnerabilities and, and that's how we became a very connected network rather than a, a hierarchical team as we were so that generated some great insights for, for me personally. And it's also given rise as well hasn't it at looking at instilling leadership qualities within younger generations of people rather than as we discussed earlier just focusing on more senior figures and adapting and enhancing them now thinking about younger generations of people especially um there are a lot of young people out there who may well just be coming out of college or university for example who are probably looking at the job market at the moment and the current economic situation and are in complete despair because they had their opportunities before them perhaps covid has at least in the here and now taking that away from them so in this sort of era of uncertainty, what is your advice for that next generation of emerging leaders to get them to sort of pick their heads up and really look at the opportunities that are out there? Yeah, you're spot on. I've got a 19-year-old daughter um, who's in in that boat at the moment. Um, I think my my advice would be um, just focus on the short term. Take yourself some real short-term goals, and they could be goals over a month or, or two months, but focus on some short-term goals. Um, focus on developing uh, your skills, your knowledge, your insights. So use the time to learn. Um, use your time to uh, immerse yourself with other people uh, and, and really understand some of these human issues that we're talking about. Because I think when you get into a... Um, a rhythm of work, if you like, then I think you'll better understand or have some better insights uh, about some of these human issues that affect people's performance. And that will set you up um, when you start to kind of work in a collective environment uh, or in a group environment. And I think the short-term goal um, approach will just help you deal with the uncertainty and the, the confusion. Um, and that will kind of keep you on track, as it were. Um, rather than feeling lost, um, but, but really invest in your own 
uh, spiritual, physical, and emotional well-being um, by immersing yourselves in some insights, knowledge, experiences with other people. Now, Peter, our time on the programme is beginning to, unfortunately, draw to its close. But just before we do wrap things up, I would like to focus on the future, having dwelt a lot on the uh, the last 11 months that we've faced. We've, of course, got these amazing new leadership programmes in place for the future. But what is on the horizon for you and Psionic over the next 12 months? Yeah, well, we've got um, sort of three strands to our thinking this year in terms of where we will focus our efforts to to help everybody. Um, so one of course is the developing leadership mindset and behaviours and again that's in the context of um, those who are early career uh, all the way through to C-suite so uh, it's an extension of what we have done historically which has been targeting the more senior folks but we'll really be um, working with the early entrant, early career um, middle tier so that will be all around the developing of the the leadership behaviours how to think and behave differently as we've been talking about um, the, the second um, area of focus for us will be the experts. Um, so, you know, there are those in um, in organisations who are experts, they are specialists, they are advisors, and they are quite often not responsible directly for, for people, um, but they're bringing a, a, a certain specialism expertise to the table. Uh, now, we believe that those folks or that community has a huge amount of value, and, and we have a range of programmes, some of the, the tier one banks that we've been working on for the last five or six, seven years now to really unlock the value of, um, of specialists in organizations. So we'll be expanding a range um, uh, of uh, services and offers tagged in that particular um, uh, community within organizations, one of which is expert and leader, uh, which will help individuals who, who are very senior through their expertise to develop some leadership um, behaviors and, and have a, an even greater impact on their organization. And then the third um, platform for us will be the culture. Um, so culture is something that you can create through the collective behaviors of, um, of individuals. So we've got some uh, exciting uh, products about to go live, uh, which are all around creating high-performing cultures in organizations that help to transform at the enterprise level as well as the, at the individual level. I think it's absolutely fantastic and really exciting. And um, I certainly would love to welcome you back onto the program at some point in the future, Peter, to just see how some of those products um, are going and the impact that they're having. And also, I really am behind this idea of having a development plan for everybody, no matter what the age group, for the senior figures right through down to the new starters. Uh, But for now, I have to say it's been a real, real pleasure having you join us on the program, Peter. And thank you once again for joining us. It was absolutely my pleasure, Scott, and I uh, thank you ever so much for what you're doing, bringing some of these insights together for all of us to share. That's much appreciated too. I was speaking to Peter Stone, Managing Partner at Psionic, and I do hope all of you and thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Until next time, since sadly all of the pubs and wider hospitality establishments remain closed in the UK, I'll be sat in my front room and raising a glass to outstanding leadership, and hopefully I can reoccupy my usual corner in the Westminster Arms very soon. Remember, please stay home where you can, protect others and save lives because it really does make a huge difference in these trying times. Take care and goodbye.